0: Welcome to Talking In Stations, this is Matterall. here with you on January 15th, the Ides of January, we've made it, and we're going to talk about EVE Online today. It's just me. Oh, am I really muted? Check, voice comes through there. Dude, dude, I'm so going to throw you out for tricking me because I'm sensitive to mistakes. All right, uh, we'll keep it in there just for comedy. Well, uh, one of the biggest things that uh, has hit the news lately is uh, this here State Raven, which is very rare, sold. So let's start at the top here. Uh, the Raven State issue is maybe the rarest ship in the game, next to um, the exceedingly rare Gold Magnet, uh, which is uh, is it a frigate? I think it's a it's a frigate. Uh, it's gold. It's worth uh well there's really no price tag on that ship and the navy uh sorry the raven state issue is right there with those gold and silver magnets this is maybe even more priceless more expensive and even rare i believe it was only there were only four given out and uh they're historic because they actually played a, a an important role inside of the Alliance tournament like number two or n- number three. Uh, and so uh, it, it's it, there's been some drama and mystery around these things. So these things are incredibly, incredibly expensive, but it's just their rarity. So they may not actually be expensive in the game uh, as far as the machine is concerned, but the players know that this thing is very rare. And so, you actually saw this, I think it, this exact bird, this exact Raven was put on sale when the hypernet uh, came out uh, in December. That was last December, so about a year ago. And they wanted, they were roughly, they put it on the market for like 4 trillion. And it was of course divided up into like 512 uh, lots. And so you could buy a lot and the lots were like, I don't know, seven, nine, 11 billion per lot or something like that with a one in 500 chance of winning this thing. Uh, it didn't actually make it. So what what that means is it never sold because they didn't sell enough lottery tickets for the sale to go through. So it defaulted back to the owner and the owner had it. I think it's blue melon there. And now he's uh, selling it or has sold it again. So this specific Raven is, uh, is pretty interesting. It, it was, um, how should I say, the biggest flop in HyperNet uh, that we will ever see uh, because I don't think anybody has any asset worth $4 trillion. It was $4.2 trillion, I think it was. It's was an unbelievable amount. The sad part is when you use the HyperNet, you have to pay like a 5 to 10% tax. Uh, so I think they lost like quite a bit of money just trying to put it on the market to sell it in a lottery situation. So anyway, let's see what happened with this thing. Um, Pro God Legend didn't mastermind that sale, but he was involved with something. <laughs> um, shall we talk about the hypernet? It's kind of interesting. But when the hypernet came out, it was this, it was this in-game mechanic for something that players had done for years before. A long time ago in EVE Online, you used to have what were lotteries uh, inside of uh, corporations. So you would have a corporation and one of the wealthier fellows in the corporation would say, oh, I've got some nice ships and uh, I want to like, you know, I don't want to lose money and give them away. I don't really want to sell them because people can't really afford them or whatever. So what they would do is have a little lottery and it would kind of generate interest within the corporation. And it was like a nice little thing to do, like playing poker with your buddies inside the corporation. So somebody would put out a ship and they would give out lottery tickets to it uh, people would buy up the lottery tickets and then somebody would win. And so the seller, you know, broke even or made a little money and the, uh, and somebody in the corporation was rewarded with a nice ship. And those were the corporate, you know, corporate lotteries. Those later turned into like alliance level lotteries as they got bigger, more people. Um, it was always nice stuff that they were selling it wasn't just pedestrian stuff. It was usually nice stuff. And then somebody went big and they made the Eve online lottery and they sold tickets out there to the public. And that was all third party, all player created. And it created, um, uh, you know, annual events around lotteries and stuff like that. And then you had a group that really formalized that process called summer blink. And summer blink was just super efficient and Allowed, um, allowed this to happen on a mass scale. And then after uh, SummerBlink got in trouble because they leveraged, they leveraged free stuff that CCP had given them into their process, which resulted in real money and it became this RMT triangle that they got into. And uh, CCP said, nope, can't do that. And they took away everything SummerBlink had and shut them down. And at the very time that Summer Blink went down, uh, this new group was coming up with—they weren't selling ships, but they were actually just gambling—and that was I Want Isk. So I Want Isk inherited all those lottery players from Summer Blink, and they just exploded in um, in popularity. And so I Want Isk started raking in a bunch of uh, people who wanted to play games of chance. And their trick was a little bit different. They weren't giving out items. They were giving out like lottery tickets and you would pay ISK in and you'd get ISK out. Um, and at that point you had, uh, streaming was starting to happen. So you had Iron Bank as part of I Want ISK out there doing a show that was primarily just buying up lottery slots and getting paid. And so it was like you were, you were gambling. And he was very engaging. And so it was a, it was a fun time for these guys and they, they, a lot of them actually really enjoyed it. So that was what was going on with, uh, I want ISK. Then I want ISK uh, tried to sponsor some things and ended up, um, they sponsored things with Eve NT. I don't know if you remember that, Um, but the guy that owned Eve NT, and uh, his name is slipping at the moment. Nice guy real life uh, gregarious guy, everybody likes him. And he put together all the stuff that you see coming out of Eve NT. He's the guy that did all that. And so he did this thing where they basically, I want Isk and him teamed up. No, it wasn't Ithaca Hawk. It was, um, I'm ashamed of myself for forgetting because he's a good guy and uh, very popular. Uh, he doesn't play Eve online right now. Well, he put a Titan out and said come kill this titan in high sex so all these people came to the titan and started killing it and he said well let's make it more interesting so let's get a defense fleet up and no it wasn't crib <laughs> um i'm gonna figure out who that was in a second it'll come to me he was a csm member like three years ago so it wasn't that long ago and he i want isk sponsored the event so i want to put a bunch of money into it bought the titan whatever and paid him a healthy isk amount to do this event because remember he was doing events that's what he wanted to do and uh he put it out there and and to make it more interesting he brought a defense fleet and the defense fleet was so potent that they killed off all the people trying to kill the titan thank you Nash cadaver Thank you so much. Nash Cadaver is who I'm talking about. He and I want teamed up for this Titan event. And the defense fleet was so good. They killed everybody that came to kill the Titan pretty much. And then the Titan finally, they blew it up. Or it. I think the defense fleet was like, okay, well, we can't, we're we not supposed to win. So let's kill the Titan or whatever. So then they killed the Titan. But before the Titan went down, they took off all the fittings. They just took all the fittings off the Titan so, oh, what's up? Uh, my friend Dirk is here. What's up, Dirk?
1: What's going on, bro? How are you? What's going on?
0: I was talking about Nash Cadaver and Iwan Isk and how they did that event. I'm I'm talking about the history of lotteries. Actually, you'd be really good at this. Over the years, and how it led to the Hypernet. And I was talking about Iwan Isk and how they came up after Summer Blink and inherited a bunch of client share, and then they did some event with. Uh, nash cadaver that went wrong there was a big fight between them and they said they would never work with each other again um and then i want to ask and uh, iron bank were a team of sorts and they were actually they had a streaming show going that iron bank did an engaging fellow as i said and had a little gambling show well something happened between oh i remember what it was Iwan ISK didn't use his own money or his own ISK to fund this thing. What he did is he set up a system and he hired people or he allowed five, 10 people to become bankers, which are basically clerks. And so they would loan out their own money and they would pay clients, um, they would pay winnings to clients and then they would accept tickets and they would work in shifts. And so if you work the shift, with your own money, you could make about 10% of your holding. So if I had 200 billion isk, and I worked a couple hours, you know, collecting ticket sales and giving out rewards, I made about 20 billion. So it was a really a good way for people to uh, grow their money and engage in community, right? So they, uh, so people, they had like 10, 20 bankers All of them had to have at least 200 billion ISK liquid so that they could cover the floor. And then if those guys needed money, they would go to what's called a big banker. And there was only like three or four of those. And the big bankers had to have like 2 trillion uh, liquid uh, on hand at all times. And so he basically set up this pyramid of loaning and transacting money. And Iwan ISK was raking in a lot of the profits. Well, what was happening was there was this... um, this guy at Iwan Isk had a bunch of friends, uh, and a lot of them were in a group called SMA or, or uh, Space Monkeys Alliance, which was part of the Imperium up in the north. And they were actually in a corporation together and uh, for a short time. But what happened is a corporation inside of SMA knew that these bankers were prime targets because they knew they had a ton of money. So, what, what they would do is not on purpose, but they, would, like, they were kind of friendly with the Iwanis guys. But when they had a falling out, they would kick the banker out and they would keep his money. And so one guy, they kept about 80 billion of his money. And then a few months later, and that guy kind of left the game because he got nailed for RMT and he didn't want to fight it. He could have been guilty or he didn't want to fight it Um, somewhere in there, he didn't return to the game, but it probably sucked that he lost 80 billion to, right? To this corporation that kicked him out because he was a director in that court. So Iwan Isk loses a banker and then it happens again. And then a third time, and I think it was Paul Wood, uh, that he got all his money taken away. And so Iwan Isk got mad and said, Hey, corporation inside of SMA you're stealing money from my bankers. If you steal their money, they can't be bankers for me. So we got a problem. I would like for you, and he would say it in a very nice way, please give them their money back instead of keeping all their, all their money when you kick them out. And they said, basically, the, and this was actually very particular, said, um they say? Like, go suck a, uh, e- eat a bag of dicks or something. It was a really like, derogatory term at the time and he said look if if you're uh let me talk to the 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 leader instead of the diplomat right and he said i already talked to the leader leader doesn't want to talk to you the leader of sma doesn't want to talk to you and um so get lost basically and so i want was really upset really mad there's a lot of close ties here between SMA and Iwanisk, so it's not like they're strangers to one another, but this diplomat was not a part of that, so he was a little bit out of his element. And uh, it ended up getting I don't want to go too far into it, but it ended up getting pretty hostile, and so Iwan Isk hired mercenaries and said, uh, "harass SMA and just destroy their ability to, you know, uh, live in peace." And that is one of the elements that led to the World War B in 2016, which saw SMA collapse uh, into uh, the Imperium. And the Imperium actually collapse and lose all its space. And uh, 2016's World War B, as they called it, they also called it the Casino War cause it was funded mostly by I Want Isk. So it depends on who you ask about that name for that war in 2016. Casino.
1: What? Casino War B yeah because you know we're just to cover both (laughs) sides
0: yeah everybody's happy with that one actually it's funny because i was at uh inn at the time it was tmc at that time i believe and i said look we we have four or five different names for this war just like we do this one right this new war that we're in now we have like three or four different names for it and back then the same thing everybody wanted to control the war everybody wanted to name the war uh which was kind of silly because in eve online don't name the war people just refer to something and whatever sticks sticks but nobody really wanted to own the name of the war but after a while you have this whole generation that happened around World War B times I'm gonna call it that it was that they wanted to name the war so somebody said it's Easter War somebody said it was
1: well, the, the, I was gonna say I didn't think that there was a name for it until I think in some news report or something like that, CCP referred to it as the Easter War. Yes, and did. then people were, and then people were you know like up in arms that CCP were like calling it something that didn't make any sense to begin with, but like
0: <laughs> well, they, they didn't like the name Easter War, um, but they didn't they didn't think it was taking sides until later. Uh, when they called it World War B. And then Imperium got mad and said, hey, you're playing right into the narratives of our enemy. Why are you picking sides? And CCP was like, hey, man, we just want to publicize this war. So it was a big deal. Uh, Picking the name turned out to be a big deal because the name was part of the narrative. And it was really a poisonous time for talking about that war, which you and I... Actually, that... That exact moment that war started was when talking in stations started. So, 2016, April. Much, yeah. yeah, almost well, five years ago.
1: I don't know about no. I don't think I don't think when it started when it really heated up. When it heated obviously, up. obviously that stuff with Space Monkey's Alliance and whatnot, and then and then Losec Voltron and some other stuff like had happened before that. Right? There was kind of like a more yes. of a burn before what I would say the real meat of the war happened. But talking in stations yeah. began. Uh, when the real meat of the war kind of kicked
0: out. We began the exact week that the Move Ops began. Like the first two episodes of Talking in Stations were you, me, uh, Drayden, and Ashtarothy too. And we were looking on the map and saying, hey, uh, Northern Coalition has just moved through Iridia." Uh, like that was our first or second show. is And then watching Test move up through Geminate and, um, and PL too. Or PL was up there first. Um, so that we were watching the troop movements that were assembling and we're like, something's going on here. Like nobody was talking about it in public at the time, but we were saying something's going on and it looks pretty big because for NC to move, uh, they have to be hired, um, by a lot of money. And it turns out they were, they, they were given at least three months of their equivalent moon rental at the time, which was considerable since they rented so much space. So they were paid quite a bit. Uh, so it was PL, so it was test. all those groups. But anyway, uh, so I, I like that because I was like five years ago almost exactly, or in a couple months, it'll be like five years ago. Um, that was popularly known as World War B. I have to admit, I fought against the name because I thought it was uh, narrative driven. Um, so as the editor of INN at the time, I was saying, uh, let's let's name this war in a in a neutral way so we can refer to it, but let's not get memey with it or whatever. So I picked, as the editor, I said, this, this war, when we write about it, will be called, oh, actually, I remember what happened. Yeah, uh, this war will be called the Mercenary War, right? It's kind of basic. There are mercenaries. That's who's coming to destroy this empire. And I like the idea of a classical... Mercenaries hired by an iron bank to attack an empire. It just had really nice, epic themes associated with it. And uh, then Matani says, Matani comes in like a week later and says, We're going to call this war, <laughs> I forget what it was, War of Sobless Aggression.
1: The War of Sobless Aggression. Yeah. And yeah. I, I remember us having the conversation, being like, I think that's a little too deep for most people. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it had to be a civil war. Like, <laughs> civil war historian to get that but he was trying to do the opposite unsuccessfully at the time which was to say guys that don't have sovereignty are taking uh the people who have sovereignty on to destroy us and they're going to win so your game sucks ccp because people who don't have anything in any skin in the game can destroy people who have skin in the game your game is totally imbalanced and so it was kind of a meta play against CCP and the incentives that were around for CCP at the time, or CCP was creating for people. And it was a commentary on that, that you didn't have to own anything. You could just roam around like a marauder and just destroy things.
2: In right. this war, Big civil war reference was to the Anaconda plan, but that was interpreted in a more amusing way.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Well, the, uh, the, the thing was, it was, um, Unassailable wealth became a big term in 2016 because Iron Bank and I want ISK didn't have anything in the game to destroy. And yet they had an ISK generating machine. So they could constantly pour wealth into the pockets of these guys that didn't have to own any space because they were getting rich anyway without having to own space, without even having to rent it, without having to do any farming or harvesting. They had no limits. They were pure military. And that's what that was a comment on. So the Imperium did lose. Actually, they hardly fought that war. They fought two battles. And the first one, they were outnumbered. Uh, they brought 800 people to a fight. They came a little late, by the way, so it wouldn't have mattered.
1: As far as the big fights went, I mean, y- yeah. y- you got to remember, that, I-, I mean, there was battling that was taking place over in, what was it, Veil of the Silent and whatnot, on that you know, on that sort of front. Obviously, what was going on, you know, yeah. with- CO2 was feeding yeah. a lot. <laughs> Well, uh, CO2 was in tribute um yeah. Carnaros's group which, Bastion. for some reason. Bastion, Bastion. W- w- was was over in Vale of the Silent and things yeah. like that. And that's really where a lot of those a lot of the you know the big enemy sort of came from that direction first, right?
2: Well, yeah,
0: it's it's interesting. I think I I talked to Villy afterwards, and Villy was a very important part of this actually going through because Progod and Villy brought Test into it against the Imperium, and that was a lot of people so now what that meant was that pl and nc together wouldn't be overrun by the imperium that had more people because it was an n plus one game way back then so when Tess joined they thought now we have enough people yeah. yeah now we have enough people to to compete and that's exactly what happened because the imperium brought 800 people to a fight which is normally big enough to defend, I think at the time, it was like what we called the baby Titan, which is, um, it was in a pause. And there was, um, what do you call it? An array, a super capital array. And there was a Titan or two in it that belonged to a group. I think it was uh, FCON. And so the Imperium showed up to defend it. So it wasn't strategically a very important target, but you know, it was Titans. And at the time that was still a big deal. and they brought 800 people, which should have been way more than enough to defeat uh, their enemies. But their enemies together formed 1,200, and it just blew everybody's mind. So then the next fight, the Imperium essentially blew the horn and said, come on, this is it. We're, you know, we're fighting for our lives. So they showed up with 1,400, or 12, actually, they showed up with 1,200. So they matched the fight before, and they were ready to go. But by then, the publicity was out. And 2,400 people showed up against the Imperium. So they were swamped. And at that point, there was just no combination of, you know, reactivating people that was ever going to get them to 2,400. So instead of fighting at that time, it was a different time, the Imperium decided that they would withdraw tactically. So they started moving everything into one area and they started moving backwards. There's a lot of military uh, stuff to talk about for this world war B, as it's popularly known, uh, but I won't get into it. We'll need at least to analyze like, you know, how things broke apart, but you had Fcon attacked and broken apart. Uh, they were too late to retreat. So they got stuck out. Um, CO2 decided, you know, they looked at their options and said, we don't like Imperium anyway. So we're going to flip sides, which created a grudge, which, you know, came to fruition during judgment day months later. And there was a lot of, uh, groups leaving the Imperium at the time. Uh, and really only like four groups stuck around, Executive Outcomes, Lawn, Bastion, uh, and if, Initiative no, was involved, TNT, the Initiative TNT. was
1: right,
0: yeah, I mean. Yeah, TNT, I kind of put Initiative as kind of a co-group, uh, but those, but yeah, Initiative was definitely part of that. And so those groups stuck around, fought it out, and then I think the war ended, and I've always said this, World War B ended when Sort Dragon, who was fighting Imperium at the time, put down the first uh, Nullsec Keepstar in Declan. I mean, they'd already retreated uh, and they were fighting in Losec. Titans had come out, Uh, they'd changed in nature. These new faxes had come out. They were brand new at the time and people were trying to figure out how to use those and um, structures were coming out. And I think uh, Fortizar came out first, or Astro House Fortizar, and then the, the Keepstar came out so it wasn't all at the same time. But when the star fell and was planted, I think at that point it could not be prevented because its timer wasn't affected by tie dye. Uh, and so it could always, all you need to do is get enough people in there, create tie dye, and there would be no way to destroy the star. So it was planted. And at that point, I don't think um, there was any reasonable way to take out a a star. So they would always have a foothold in your territory, even if you reconquered it. And I think that is when the Imperium said, let's look, we want to start over anyway to build a new empire in a new way with these new um, structures. And they looked at Delve, which at the time had a bunch of different alliances in it that weren't very strong. And they just said, we'll go there. We're familiar with it. So that was it. Okay, uh, and this brings me all the way back to Isk, which funded that war. And so there's a lot of complaints about unassailable wealth. <coughs> so CCP basically was, uh, at the time, they were starting to do business in England. England had strict uh, gambling laws. And I believe there was some precedents in the gaming industry about these, these, these uh, I don't know what they were, but there was elements of gambling that were being dealt with by the courts. So CCP decided it was a good time to say no more of this gambling stuff. So they wiped it all out, banned a few people for RMT and for gambling. uh, And they said, no games of chance period. But what that did was it kind of, it was a giant uh, cleaning of the slate but all the people who had corporations that kind of did these small um, lotteries didn't have an avenue for it. And so at the time, CCP said, we're moving all these games of chance out. We may come back to this and put something in the game that is a game of chance, but it'll be something that we do where we're the banker instead of uh, some third-party player. I'm Might answer this question here from a new guy. I think it just went by. Uh sorry I'm not a vet. How did I want Isk get so much money? Well, their way of making money is a little complex. If you want to know about it, there's an article I wrote called Behind the War Between SMA and IWI. I want Isk. I'll find it for you right now actually. I wrote it. It goes into all that stuff. No matter all Behind the War Between S, M, A, and I want yes yeah, something like that. There it is. This article took me about a week to write. And I did a ton of research on it. And uh, I got to know everybody involved. And I took my time. Now, remember, I'm the editor of INN at the time. So I write this article. And it's not celebrating the power and the might of the Imperium. It's very critical of the Imperium, actually. Um, but I think it was a, it was a pretty good, I took a lot of heat, I think from a horrendous who thought I was too close to I ISK, but, uh, I didn't know I and I didn't want to hang out with them or anything, but I admired what they had built. And, uh, and I, and I saw like, there was a lot of, uh, miserable bankers that had been banned at the time. So I wrote this when the bankers had been banned and that would have been December, 2015. <clears throat> 2016 one of those two anyway off topic so that was that if you want to know more about it there it is so what happens is that ccp decides well we did want to preserve that that was kind of eve-esque so i bet it was just one programmer who said i think i can build something and did and uh, you have this hypernet that was built and it's interesting because I think it was two years ago, a year ago from Christmas, where they were having a fireside chat, and it was Hilmar and Berger talking. And they said, we have this thing coming out, but we don't want to, we're not going to talk about it. And then they kept going. So they had a four-hour conversation, and they just said they had this thing that was coming, but they weren't going to talk about it. And, and the thing that they didn't want to talk about was the hypernet, which came out in January about a year ago. About a year ago right now, right?
2: Uh, it's so- been in December
0: did it come out in december yes right before christmas i think
2: i remember shortly before christmas i spent most of the this i had on it and then <laughs> when i started doing sec anomaly ratting because that's how i started funding it
1: yeah
0: uh question about I wanna ask Did they have actual players? Yeah, all those guys were players in the game. Some of them have been played since 2003 and they just kind of were working with the fortune they built, trying to make a little more money on it. But they were all kind of hanging out. I got the impression a lot of them were uh you know, just kind of playing a little bit here and there and mostly hung out with other Eve players. Um but but I don't none of them were except Killer B actually was a was an active big name. Uh, he was a banker for I want ISK, and actually he got uh, when when the bank got banned, he got all his money taken away. But by then he'd already bought a vanquisher, so his vanquisher was spared. They didn't take assets; they just took ISK. So I think he lost like four hundred billion or something, some big number. Yeah, so that's that's the story of gambling and EVE online. It went from us, you know, small lotteries among players to industry to unassailable assets, to being wiped out. And then you have CCP bringing in their own set set of gambling uh, tools. And uh, that's what the hypernet is. And so that was really popular when it came out, right? As uh, Gregorin says, he spent all his money on it. Um, And that is the instrument that was being used to try to sell this Navy, sorry, this uh, Raven state issue uh, that tanked. So. What ProGod was trying to do <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry, what ProGod was trying to do was set up a gentleman's club that would be exclusive, so you could buy rights to be inside this club, which would give you access codes to these lotteries that were going on, so it was kind of you know it would be like a gentleman's uh, experience kind of thing, and their big flagship or tent pole event was this very, very rare Raven state issue. So that's how ProGod ties into it. ProGod was endorsing the concept of having an exclusive discord where people would buy tickets to lotteries and that sort of stuff. And this was like showing you the power of that kind of organization. Look at the kind of stuff we can sell here for the, the discriminating man, you know. Uh, but when this sale failed, I think so did the concept. You know, I, I have I have just about lost my voice. Like, uh, I, I think I'm only good for a half hour straight and then starts to clamp up. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, the High Rollers Club. It might have even been called the High Rollers Club, but that was the idea of it. So that didn't sell. And we hadn't heard about this uh, since then, but here it is. Uh, good evening, Yvonne Eve Line Peeps. For the past few years, I have periodically been putting up putting this up for sale with some good offers, but nothing that really wowed me. This is the 2020 selling post, selling, uh, sorry, this is the 2020 post selling this wonderful ship. So this is going on sale. I don't know if it's been sold yet. We'll look at the bottom here. The starting bid is at 2.5 trillion. It's equivalent to an AT ship, oh, or equivalent in AT ships or Plex. And the reason he'll take AT ships is because He owns a lot of AT ships, so he's a collector of rare ships, which is probably why he has this one. By the way, Blue Melon is, if I'm not mistaken, also the guy that walked off with a bunch of AT ships that he was entrusted with by Pandemic Legion. So uh, this guy kind of has a little bit of, um, I don't know, how would you put that, Dirk? Notoriety? Yeah,
1: notoriety. Infamy? Uh, I don't know.
0: Infamy, yeah. He was a very trusted guy part of the uh, alliance tournament team from pandemic legion pandemic legion dominated alliance tournament for like five years. So they got a bunch of blueprints, bunch of ships and uh blue melon was somebody that would distribute them as needed. Uh, and then he's decided to walk off and took them with him. And then he made it. But the thing that bothered me is he said, Oh, this is to get back at PL because they killed me when I was a young man. And I always thought I would somehow come back and, Uh, Pay them back for that revenge. And it was just a little bit thin because he'd been, you know, a part of PL for so long and he really just kind of inherited trust and then he walked off with it. Anyway, so let's have a look. A lot of... Let's just go to the end and see if there was a final result. I don't know if there was a final result. Sold, there it is. Blue Melon says it's sold and... Stop responding completely after I sent you contact. This is now pending sale for, here's the winner, Phoenix Pride. Let's do an Eve Who on that guy. We'll
1: going for or whatever.
0: It's possible he sold it to a friend, but you know, I think when you lose your reputation, you can't really be trusted afterwards. And I don't know who this is or what he does but he very well may have paid uh, whatever the amount was. Let's see if we can find his bid. Here it is. Well, I never saw it go over 2.5T. So pending sale is 2.5T. And so that might be what this guy paid, if he's indeed an actual buyer. Um, The problem with Eve is this is all obscured. We don't know. We could talk to Blue Melon. We'd have to take his word for it. Um, But I don't think anybody sells this... uh,
2: I thought the 2.5 was just the starting bid and we don't know what the final one was. Well, he didn't
0: go from 2.5 to 3. I'll tell you that. Who would, right? You'd go 2.5, 2.7, 2.6. So it's probably not... There weren't many bids after that. So I don't know. But far less than the HyperNet would have gotten them because if they'd they'd sold it on the HyperNet, that thing would have sold for $4 So anyway rare sale could celebrate that if it indeed went through yeah a ship that you will never use um i i think i don't know there are people who just need to uh put their wealth someplace and uh this thing will definitely hold its value so i once talked i once talked to somebody and i said uh because i had some money and they were buying uh like a diamond ring or something. Some something I wouldn't buy. And I said, Why don't you just buy a you know washing machine or something? Something useful that you could quickly <laughs> No, a washing machine. It's like something simple that would be useful for a while instead of Well, actually, the guy was buying a ring for his wife and she wanted a washing machine. So I was like, Well, I can see the washing machine is has a use and uh, but a diamond ring is just like And then he said something that totally changed my mind. He goes, a washing machine doesn't hold its value. And I was like,
2: oh, that's that's a a diamond, though.
0: It's a good point. I think a diamond holds its value.
2: No, because uh, the De Beers cartel controls the prices and sells them for much higher than they're actually worth since they own most of the mines.
0: Yeah, I know. So
2: reselling diamonds is not going to get you nearly what you bought it for.
0: Right, okay, so maybe a bad example. But the point is that precious anything holds its value, like this Raven State issue will hold its value. So it's not a bad investment. There will always be somebody who wants that ship, especially because it cost um, 2.5 trillion. And if you think that's a lot of ISK, it is. It's an absurd amount of ISK that I will never come close to or anybody 90%, 99% 90%, 99% of EVE players won't. But there are people who have been playing this game a long time that have accumulated a lot of ISK. And I know probably three or four, one specifically that has like 50 trillion ISK. So they exist, those people. Uh, and so this this kind of a ship isn't something that would set them back, but it is a prize to have. As long as it keeps con- being considered a prize, uh, then it'll be worth, it'll hold its value. All right. Let's see what else we got in the news. There's a 45 minute explanation of <laughs> a sale of a ship. Well, I'll follow your lead, Gregor. What else uh, is in the news that, that is important?
2: Well, uh, today a dread bomb killed a titan that Jumped to a citadel and did not, was not able to tether, as I understand the explanation.
0: Well, they can't tether for 30 seconds, so here it is. Because
2: uh, it, w- it didn't have a core.
0: Oh, my God. The structure didn't have a core. Oh, wow. That's a great find. Remember, on the 12th, that was the last day, uh, you had to put a core into a structure if you didn't, you could no longer tether to that structure. And this is the first kill associated with that. That is really cool.
2: Yeah. I think there might've been one or two super carriers earlier, but this was the first Titan.
0: What a bad deal.
2: Yeah. Dreadbomb as an Alliance has been getting a lot of interesting content recently. I've invited their leader seto to come on to TIS and he said he m- might be interested when he's around so maybe next week we'll have him on
0: yeah we did talk uh he was going to be busy i think in december so i thought once things settle down a little in the war it'd be a good time to bring him on uh seto being the leader of dreadbomb and they're active in wicked creek that's looks looks like uh, where they killed this one here uh okay so billy says Oh, I think Billy knows about this one. It's just a highway keep star, so we didn't bother coring it. Odd, he didn't dock. Okay, so the situation's a little bit different than I thought. I thought he jumped to a Fordazar or something, couldn't tether for 30 seconds at first, and then they said it probably wasn't cored. Uh, Gregorian did, and that would change the whole situation as I explained, but that's probably not what happened in this situation. The guy jumped to a keep star, And couldn't tether because it didn't have a core. But that isn't necessary for him. He should have docked because he could have done that, I believe, after 30 seconds. I'm not sure. Do you have to wait 30 seconds to dock or was that...
2: No, you do not.
0: So you can just dock right away. I don't know. What happened then for this guy here? Nocturum 129. Well, it's interesting. Avili just admitted they haven't... uh, Core up those keep stars. So those things are super expensive to core up. Um, so those keep stars don't have tether, but they also don't need tether unless they're going to be into in a combat situation. And you can put a core into a keep star at any time. So if you're preparing it for battle, you can just add the core then. So it's probably a smart move not to core up everything that you own if you're not going to keep it. And this is uh, the trail of keep stars. From Catch all the way over to Aquarius and now into Delve is is not necessarily a foundation for home or empire. It's a road. It's a railroad to bring supplies from one region to another in a safe way. And that's why that's how uh, the Pappy Fleet's supercapital fleet managed to get all the way into Delve uh, without any problems. Uh, so he got pointed right away on there. Anyway, good kill by Sado and his crew. And, okay. <clears throat> what else you got, Gergorn? Anything else out there?
2: Um, uh, th- That's... Well, actually, during the TAS show two days ago, Dr- Dreadbomb and Wrecking Crew had a fight over a, some st- structure... Saw a timer and catch w- against Legacy. And one of the really interesting things that I saw on that battle report was that... One of Legacy's monitor pilots was Arcadio Sol from Severance, who was the main fleet commander of Wrecking Crew during its final—I mean, during of Private v block during their final days against Wrecking Crew. What's his
0: name? Arcadia.
2: Arcadios Sol. Arcadios
0: Don't see him. I might be spelling it wrong.
2: A R K A D I O S space S O L.
0: There. All right. Well, anyway, that's cool. So it's Titan Kill. Let's see. Let's look at that. Yeah,
2: I thought it was interesting to see that he's. And today, earlier today, there were some fights in over Delve iHubs. Uh, it looks like Papi is starting to re- has been regaining momentum over the past uh, week or so after. The first week of the after the whole unfortunate incident, Pappy did not have momentum. It looks like things are starting to swing back into Pappy's favor.
0: Well, what makes you say that? Uh,
2: Well, uh, obviously, I'm a somewhat biased source, but it feels like we're getting people more. We're winning after the. For during the first week or so, that felt like the first fights we'd actually lost in a while in terms of sub-capital fights, as well as the obviously not doing too well in the capital one. But and we had been outformed for the first time pretty much ever. But while while USTZ the Imperium still sometimes outnumbers us and sometimes beats us, we're we've started to uh outform them again. And we've started winning a lot of objectives again.
0: Hmm. All right. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, there was definitely a momentum switch. I think, uh, when, as soon as we had, uh, the big red boat on our live stream, he was like, I would say we were losing before this, but now we've caught up. And I think he understated it. They didn't catch up. They actually started winning. If you're tracking the war at that point, You have a lot of assets stuck in M2, which is right over here. Sorry, it's a little bit lower, here it is. And uh, those assets were stuck or pre-staged, as uh, Pappy liked to say, for the next fight. The next fight went totally wrong for them. They lost 150, 165 Titans. They got 90 of them back or some portion of them back. But they still lost all momentum, and they were still stuck. So those are two bad things. So being stuck is really the the one that was the lasting problem, because they were able to probably recover with supplies, getting people back into Titans and reconstituting. But what they couldn't do is is use their heavy artillery in the form of Titans and uh, super carriers or Titans to. Um, to really leverage their power so there was definitely a slow reconstituting of pappy that fight took a lot out of them and uh goonswarm i think they kind of went on a rampage and and reset a bunch of ihubs therefore setting back the clock on a lot of uh, potential ki- Keepstar kills of theirs they they saved those for at least 30 days and uh and and, and now it's up to i mean these are big groups so you have to slowly start building people back up. It's almost good to give them a rest, but not let them rest too long because they might walk away from the whole um, campaign. So it looks like they're getting back on their feet if what you're telling me is true. And I do see a lot of disturbance in the iHubs here. Uh, All the stuff that Connie took over looks like it's getting reinforced, but so is some test stuff here and up here. So it looks like it's a back and forth. We'll see how these uh, all play out in the future. Um, And you guys, are you seeing equal numbers now? You were saying you got outformed, but generally, do you know what the numbers are? We've
2: started to get back to, in some fights, 1.5 to 1, which was what we were at before.
0: Yeah, so Wormia says they still haven't tried to break out. They need to pull off the Band-Aid, which means get it all done at once. I don't think that's how a breakout works. I don't remember a, a giant breakout attempt when PL was trapped under the thumb of Test. Uh, it was it was a little at a time, every near every downtime, and by the time a good portion of them broke out, like three or four days later, there just wasn't nearly as many as we thought were in there. So that's happened many times in EVE Online. If you look at some of the uh, the very first dead zoned station. Uh, stayed dead zone for two years and we thought there was a treasure trove of stuff in it when that f- dead zone was finally lifted there was hardly anything in it uh, yeah, because uh, over time things had escaped
2: i've heard about of people getting their stuff out when they noticed that uh the the imperium wasn't looking at it for a second but since m- all my capital ships are in either t5z keepstar or npc delve uh i'm not in the channels to get the pings for lost capitals so yeah
0: well that's probably a pretty tight secure place i would imagine you want that to be the need to know only uh but but again, PL, uh, actually with the help of Elo Knight, was able to extract really well from UALX in 2018. PL, as Vili has stated, is now on the same side as Test. So those tips and tricks are being used now to extricate them or to extract them. And uh, we don't know who's left down there. There might be a bunch of Titans down there or a lot of them may have come out. We don't, I don't know. I think CC, or um, the Imperium had put out some numbers on sunday i don't know how accurate those were Uh, they think they have like 300 or so yeah elo knight is uh, also fighting over on the imperium side so maybe elo knight knows how to counter the uh the escape oh not quite sure so we assume there's still a bunch trapped down there but i don't actually know and I've always been surprised at how little is trapped in the last four or five cases in Eve history where that has happened, but uh, but we'll see. And at some point, it, you know, it will it will reveal itself uh, either all at once or they were just never there. Who knows? I think it'd be inaccurate to assume that nothing's there because that was a lot of Titans. There's be surprised if there was only, if there was less than a hundred or whatever, that would be awfully low, but I'm not sure. Uh Dress narrow says, if you listen to the fireside, Matani said how we did it. I didn't listen to the fireside, sorry, uh, but maybe it's worth listening to. Yeah, I know there's locator agents. Uh, there's also making sure that you don't really chance it. So uh, you want to recap with uh downtime sitting behind your back to to back stop you, uh, and that just means you log in right before downtime so when you log in you recap downtime comes, shuts off the game you don't get killed, and the next time you log in you're going to have full cap so uh you know there's lots of tricks like that it's it's very interesting gameplay very high level stuff um, clearly 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 they have the knowledge to um, They have the knowledge to wiggle out of this if possible, but the uh, Imperium also has the knowledge to counter wiggling out of it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I missed a comment there by Rain Chocolate. Let me go back for it. There really isn't a way to encounter. The tools used to get out are pretty public in terms of leadership and knowledge. That's probably true at this point. And she meant counter. Uh, So there isn't a way to counter. I think there's some truth to that. I, I, she knows better than I do um, these days about uh, what, what they're doing in order to get out of there. But I really don't think, I really don't think that's uh, a killing blow in this war. They'll just slowly get out from under it. But it did stomp their, their uh, momentum. And I think you would have yeah. seen a really, really momentous fight on that second timer in M2. That really would have, I think that would have set one side or the other back in a significant way by the end of that. Maybe both sides, which would have been great. Go ahead, Gordon.
2: Yeah, I think that it had the possibility to uh, be, be a killing blow. They just, uh, the Imperium just didn't leverage it enough to make it into a killing blow.
0: You know, it's hard. I I want to commend both sides. Uh, They have very, very experienced players with a ton of pressure on them to succeed. And any of us would, would fail and whelp and uh, feed and whatever else, and just totally be destroyed by now. But these are high level knife fighters in a ring and they have a ton of responsibility on their shoulders in that they represent thousands and thousands of dollars of assets that belong to other people. And so they've got to balance being correct, being bold, being inspiring, at the same time uh, not making mistakes. They've got to also manage the fatigue level of their troops. Uh, They've got to manage the signal. And on all sides of this war, you're seeing that play out at the highest levels, for a very long time. So both sides are doing an amazing job. If Pappy uh, manages to come out of this and start fighting again, that is a pretty strong comeback from a pretty ugly defeat. Uh, you, could say, and, and, uh, you could say it was a service defeated them or it was Imperium that killed, who, who knows uh, where you categorize that, but surviving that, not quitting, not getting discouraged alone is a pretty strong indication of good leadership on the other side you have um the imperium strategically being on top of things uh you know they started the first m two unexpectedly I think and uh, they stuck it out and they literally put everything on the table and came out ahead and that takes a lot of confidence uh, to do something like that, so both sides playing very 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 top shelf game uh, during this war, especially now. Stakes are high and things actually hurt. And that's what we like to see. We like to see people make decisions when there's actual pain on the other side of a bad decision. All right, I have lost my voice, it turns out. (laughs) Uh, We're gonna send you over to open comms now to hang out with uh, the guys. I'll go over there and just kind of lurk. but um, we'll see you over there on the other side. Thanks for hanging out. Sorry, this week's been crazy. It's been crazy in real life, as you know. I may have more to say about that at a different time, but not right now. <clears throat> so next week, we hope to get back on schedule and, uh, and see you in
1: EVE Online. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We will see you next time.